Okay. Let's uh, let's get started. Thank you for your dedication to that time of prayer and the time of praise and worship. Yeah. Um, so we have the four things that strengthen our faith if we participate in them wholeheartedly. What are the four? Yeah, fellowship, prayer, getting in God's word, and obedience. Part of obedience is giving thanks and praise to God. Amen? We want to make sure that all glory goes back to God. All praise goes back to God because he's the man. Yeah, every good and perfect gift comes from him. So thank you for being intentional in our time of praise and worship. Thank you for uh, being intentional in a time of prayer. But the people that you prayed with in your groups, maybe as the school year unfolds, you know, look to them to be on the left and right side of you as times get tough, you know, as times get hard, when we forget our way, hopefully the people on the left of us and the right of us can help bring us back to the truth, amen? Because the trials are going to come, right? The trials are going to come. Okay. So tonight, uh, second of our message, and we're going to get a little bit more in-depth into um, this new series that we're starting. So the series title is, is kind of a question. What type of generation are you going to be? That's my statement I want to present to you in this first month of this school year. What type of generation are you going to be? Because the type of generation that you're going to be really lies in, in your hands. Are we going to be a type of generation? And then when I'm th- talking about generation, I'm talking about uh, the school year. Yeah, this, this school year. What are we going to do with our time? What are we going to do with our energy? What are we going to do with our efforts? With the talents that God gave us, what's going to happen? As much as God has done for us this summer, as much as God has done in, for you in your life, what are you going to do with it? With the freedom we have in Jesus Christ, the freedom that we have with the spirit that is around us, what are we going to do? Okay? So last week I asked you guys, uh, we, we talked about being a consecrated people, and we'll, we'll get a little bit more in detail tonight about that. Consecrated simply means people set apart for a divine purpose. And it's not unfamiliar to us, we've been talking about it a lot this summer, that God has a purpose for us, Amen? Psalms 139, God knows the thoughts that God has for us outnumber the grains of sand on the earth before even one of them came to be. God knew all of them. And into those days, he gave us specific talents. He gave us specific skills. He did specific things and brought specific people around us to accomplish a task. Are we going to be about his business or are we going to be about the business of the world? You guys are going to have to choose. I hope that we would choose the former in being about God's business. Amen? That's good stuff, right? Amen? That's good stuff, my friends. Okay, because I've seen generations that were dedicated on the Lord, and God, God did some pretty cool things on this island. And I've seen other generations that I don't even remember. I've been doing this coming on 13 years now. There's some generations I don't even remember. didn't make any real lasting impact on those around them. 
and then there's some generations. I still know why. Because the people that they touched in their school year are still serving the Lord now. You see one of the generations up here, in John and Ethan and Sean, that generation of young people that came to the Lord and they served throughout high school and more people came to the Lord. What type of generation are you going to be? Are you a, a one-hit wonder? Just big in the summer and then here come the school year and then you're just going to fade out like everybody else? Or are you going to make a choice to serve the Lord? What type of generation are we going to be? Amen? Okay, let's pray and we'll get started. Jesus, thanks so much for tonight. Father, we praise you for the start of the school year. I know that may not be the praise of many here, but, uh, you know, there's a season for all things, and we enjoy summers because school isn't always the best. But uh, we do praise you, Father, that you have given us a new opportunity, Lord, to make a difference in the lives of um, our peers around us. Uh, There are many that don't know you, God, and uh, thank you that we get the opportunity, Father, the privilege and the miracle to be the visual representation of who you are. Like many of our friends have never taken a step in in the church. Many of them faintly know about Christianity, but thinks that by how we live and how we act, we can show them Christ. So Jesus, be present tonight. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. And uh, come and be our teacher tonight. Uh, We love you, God. Um, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Okay, so Exodus chapter 19, if you have your Bibles. Um, if you're a regular here, you should have a Bible and you should have a notebook. Okay? So just get that on your, just get that. I'm not looking at anybody in particular who doesn't have a Bible or a notebook. I'm just saying. But, uh, right? We want to, God's going to come and speak tonight. Amen? We want to know where that came from. And we want to know what he's saying. And we want to write those things down. Okay? We want to write those things down. Highly educated. Amen? Okay, so as you turn into Exodus 19, I want to give you a context. We recently been talking about studying the Bible, and we want to ask the questions when we study the Bible. What are the questions we want to ask? Yes. Who, what, where, when, and why? So Exodus chapter 19 um, is a story about God's people Freshly off of their victory out of Egypt, okay? They were in Egypt for about 400 years in slavery. And God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, amen? And after 400 years of being in captivity in uh, Egypt and towards the latter of those years being in slavery, God heard their prayer God came to their rescue and delivered them. Amen? Okay? So these people are in between Egypt and in between Canaan, which is the promised land. Okay? And I was doing some study on Canaan, and it's pretty cool. Last week we talked about Canaanites. Yeah? Um, I was doing some more study on on Canaan. Um, And actually, Canaan was within their heritage. So God called Abraham. He was like the first, yeah? So right after Noah and the flood, there was like generations that lived. And Abraham was this guy that God called out of nowhere. And he went from Canaan to Egypt, yeah? 
but he was originally like in that area of Canaan. And so it was almost like within his bloodline. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool that God was bringing them back to this place he had promised them. But anyway, so, so we've got to set a context. So before we, we get into uh, Exodus 19, um, one of the questions I want to ask is, is who are we dealing with? So we, we have God's people, the Israelites, right? Just freshly removed from where? Come on, come on, people. Come on. From Egypt, right? So there's about a million people who lived in Egypt for about 400 years. That's a long time. Okay? They freshly come out of Egypt. They're not yet in the promised land. And I'm thinking, who are we dealing with now? So I want to talk about the Israelites for a little bit. What do we know about the Israelites? Not much. Yeah? What are the few things that we do know about the Israelites at that point? They just came from Egypt. Amen. I just said that. Yeah. They just came from Egypt. They were in slavery. They have a God who is unlike any other God that God came to deliver them. Yeah. But pretty much we don't know much of them outside of the fact that they just spent 400 years in Egypt. What does that say? That there are a certain group of people living in a foreign land, yeah, with foreign practices. And for the most part, it, it wasn't really foreign. It kind of was, it, it, it may have become their practices. So pre-400 years, how many Israelites were there? There was Joseph and his brothers. Yeah, Joseph, his 11 brothers and sisters and some other entourage that they, have, uh, they had with them, and then the father. So maybe, I don't know, 40? That seems like a God number, amen? Okay, something like that, okay? All we know is that they were for sure the, the 12 brothers because that's where the 12 tribes of Israel came from. Each brother kind of developed their own family and lineage, So from, from the 40 or so, they spend the 400 years, that 40 turns into 1 million, okay? And, and so they, they didn't really have their own identity yet. Like, you know, uh, like in Hawaiian culture, we get, we have an identity, you know? Like, it, it just came out of my mouth. I was like speaking pigeon without even knowing. Like, we get the kind of that brothers, you know? And all the people who are from here are like, we get them, Yeah speaking i understand what you're saying okay we have a, so, a certain identity about us here you know but all of us who who grew up within the islands you grew up within this culture and you learned it so so you really you think about the israelites they're not really like god's people yet i mean they're god's people because god chose them but they're really egyptians you guys get what i'm saying like, they grew up in an Egyptian culture. I mean, yeah, they came from a different place, but 400 years means you were born, and then, you know, before you, there was a generation that was born, and then they died, and then another generation was born, and then they died, and another generation was born, and they died, and they were fully immersed within this, uh, this Egyptian culture. And I'm thinking they're more like Israelite Egyptians. They're, or, or, or similar, like... Uh, like Christians that live in America, which are different than Christians who live in Africa 
or different than Christians who live in Afghanistan. Why? Because there's just different practices around them. Yes, they love the Lord and they're chosen by the Lord, but because of their surroundings, they do things a little different. Amen? So they don't, they don't yet have like an identity about them except for the fact that they have this God who really loves them. And, and we're picking up uh, right in, in the middle of this place where God's about to tell them, this is what I want you to be about, okay? Um, so when, anytime you're, you're within, there, there's a couple of things that we, a couple of categories that we want to talk about. So when you're within a different uh, land, there's a different people, there's culture that may be different. What else may be different? Language. Amen? Yeah. Different types of practices and behavior. Different types of food. Amen? Yeah, so that's my girl right there. Yeah, speaking my language. Okay? Uh, different types of religion. Yeah? So you think about language, different. Culture, different. Practices, different. Religion, different. Yeah, technology, different, for sure. Okay? And God's going to speak into some of these things before they enter the promised land. So God's taking them out of slavery, taking them out of Egypt, and God's going to start forming them into who they are and giving them the first written language. Yeah, the written words of God. You following me? Okay, Exodus chapter 19. Let's go. I'm going to read uh, a lengthy passage. Just follow along. Um, English Standard Version. Exodus chapter 19. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the day they came into the wilderness of uh, Sinai, they set out uh, from uh, Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus... You shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel. Pretty awesome, okay? So they just came through the Red Sea. They just came out of Egypt. God was protecting them. They are just at this mountainside. God is about to speak to the people for the first time, fresh out of slavery. Amen? And this is God's word. Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. Amen? So God just was like reminding them, this is the God that you're talking to right now. Like not too long ago, you saw the 10 plagues. Yeah? The 10th being the killing of all the firstborn. Like you've seen some pretty crazy things. You came out of Egypt. I guarded you by the pillar of cloud by day and pillars of fire by night, like protected you from the Egyptian army. I led you through this crazy, like, yeah, the parting of the Red Sea. You walked on dry land, like, ridiculous. Picking up octopus on the way and lobsters and putting them so that you had food to eat, right? I'm just saying, I would be looking on the rocks if I was walking over there. Um, and outside the Red Sea, this is the God that you're, you're talking to right now. So they just saw God as a certain type of God. What type of God did they, they just experience? A God who is 
gnarly, yeah? A God who's, whose right hand is super tough, like he's crazy. He turns the sea into red blood. He commands animals, locusts and frogs. He kills all the firstborn, yet makes atonement for others. Like he commands nature. Like this is the type of God that they know at the moment. They just spent 400 years in Egypt not really knowing this God, but just knowing that they were Israelites. They only knew that they were Egyptians. Like, they only knew that they weren't Egyptians, that they were Israelites, but they didn't really know God. And now God introduces himself to them, and they're like, wow, this guy's nuts. Yeah, well, not even this guy. Like, this God is, like, heavy. Okay? All right, let's keep on going. God is about to also give them a different part of who he is. So verse 4, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. How awesome is that statement? Like he just made this remembrance of who he was, but also in that was this whole motive of trying to bring you outside of slavery to myself. Like in this is God's holiness, but also God's love for us. You know, God's strength and his might, but his gentleness and his compassion and his heart for us. Amen. Like you got to get that. You got to understand that God is holy and God is love, you know. Like God has this jealous type of God for us. Yeah, this jealous type of love for us where he really longs to be with us. How much does he long to be with us? He just demonstrated it to the Egyptians. Like, I'm going to send plagues on those people because I'm jealous for you. I don't want to share you with anyone else. You hear me? That God has a crazy love for us. Okay? All right, so God would continue. In his love for us, he said in verse 5, Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice and keep my commandments... You will be my treasured possession. Everybody say that. Treasured possession. Above all my treasures, you're going to be my number one. All the things that I possess, you're going to be above all. Let that simmer a little bit. Because that was to God's people back then. But I'm telling you, that message is applicable today. That we are his treasured possession that's something good for us to remember this school year that even in the midst of our struggles and our trials and our victories more than anything else god desires us that we are his treasured possession okay all right let's continue so you're my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of what Priests and a, and a holy nation. As much as we know, up until that point, there was no other holy nation. Like there were nations, but maybe not holy. Amen? And not just a holy nation, but a holy nation of priests. What did priests do? Priests were like these in-between people between God and and the rest of humanity. Priests were like this bridge, yeah, that would listen to God and then tell the people, like Moses was almost like a priest type. 
And he didn't just want one person to be a priest. He wanted all people to be priestly. Amen? Okay. Uh, These are the words that you shall speak to the people. So verse 7. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and said before them all these words that the Lord had commanded. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Which is a good response to a God who just messed Egypt up. Amen? God, you said it, we will do it. Amen? Amen. That's, a good, that's a good response. If God has given you a, a something to, to say, to do this year, that's a good response. Uh, continuing, verse 8. Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. So even though God wants to meet with Moses one-on-one, he still also wants to meet with the rest of the people. So bring them close to the mountain. I'm going to speak to you loud enough so that they can hear it also because I want them to be in my presence, but I'm not going to let them come fully into my presence lest they die, okay? So, yeah, that's pretty much where we get it. Okay, uh, verse 9. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and what? What's the word? Consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down from Mount Sinai uh, in the sight of all the people and you shall set limits for the people around uh, saying, take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Uh, whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, um, but he shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. Uh, whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready on the third day, and do not go near a woman. Pretty much mean like uh, no sexual intercourse. Because uh, they didn't want, like they wanted three things cleaned. They wanted their physical bodies cleaned. They wanted their garments cleaned. Yeah, their clothes. Um, and, oh yeah, well that's pretty much the two things. And to abstain from just sexual purity. So it was like the, um, it was the goal that as they practiced these things, not only would the outside get cleaned, but the inside would get cleaned also. Yeah? That sometimes when we go through the motion of cleaning our outside, sometimes, hopefully, we're also in the process of cleaning the, the inside out. Yeah? Um, okay, let's pause there. Let's pause there. Uh, so three days, there's all kinds of imagery here. I love it. Three days, prepare for the Lord. Jesus was in the tomb for three days. Amen? And he had proclaimed that he was going to come and visit them. God is like, prepare yourself for three days. I'm going to come and visit you. There's crazy parallels in here. Okay? But just in the time that we have remaining, I want to talk about this fact that, that God is prepping them to meet with him, and he's telling them that you have to prep yourself to be in my presence. I'm going to give you some time. I'm going to give you specific ways to make yourself appropriate for, my, uh, for our time of, 
worship, for our time of relationship, for our time of greeting. You shall cleanse your body, you shall cleanse your garment, and you shall abstain from sexual intercourse within these three days. Amen? And I think about uh, what we've done this summer, and it almost matches up with all those three. I mean, you think about it even today, like the public school, yeah? Uh, Keiko Liki, you guys all wore shirts, right? You guys all wore your camp shirts, which is pretty awesome. That's like a redeemed, like God redeemed your clothing. You know? Like there's all kinds of things that we could have wore on the, the first day of the first week of the school year, and we chose to wore, to wear. I gotta go back to school, sorry. We chose to wear, okay, our, our camp shirts that represent Jesus, Amen. So it's like our clothes has been redeemed. I mean, I don't even have to spend time talking about the fact that our spirit has been redeemed. Amen? Some of you weren't even walking with the Lord come a couple months ago. And now it's like you got your Bible, you got your notebook, you're praying all the time. Your heart, your mind, your actions have changed, you know? And then think about what our topic was this summer relationships and i love the wednesday of our camp where we talked about making a commitment making a stand for sexual purity this year not just this year but in our lives not just sexual intercourse abstaining from sexual intercourse but abstaining from all forms of sexual impurities amen Amen. what a great commitment did we make then it's going to get put to the test amen this year But for the most part, the three things that God had said to God's people, like, hey, this is how you should prep yourself. Wash your clothes, wash your bodies, stay away from sexual intercourse in those three days. And I'm going to come and visit you. It's almost like God is prepping us. Think about the parallels. Our clothes has been redeemed. Amen? Our bodies have been redeemed, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Yeah? Like in our hearts where we feel freer. And that's within the, the, the sexuality of who we are. A lot of us have made redemptions there. Some of them made, made some great commitments there. So they get to meet with God and God shares with them Ten Commandments and a whole other practices on how God, how we should relate with God and how we should relate with others. And I'll talk more about that this week. But one of the things that came up through this teaching was um, they, they were able to offer something to God that he could bless. Amen? That we lift up a praise and worship to God that he can bless. We lift up prayers to God that he can bless. Ultimately, we want to offer ourselves to God in a way that he can bless it. Like, granted, God is a good God, and he does whatever he wants, but we want to be able to offer him something that is holy and acceptable and that he can bless also. Uh, okay, turn with me to Ephesians 4, verse 17. Okay, Ephesians 4, 
this Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus. He says, verse 17, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in their futility of their mind. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Verse 19, they have become kalaus and have given themselves up to sensuality, uh, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Um, but that is not the way that you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, put on the new self, which is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So let me just help me out. So this summer, it's like God helped us to put off our old ways, our old language, our old thoughts, our old feelings, our old desires. So when Paul is talking about the Gentiles, who is he talking about? The, the world. Like people who don't follow Jesus. Like there's people who follow the Lord and then there's everybody else. And for the, for the most part, yeah, uh, people who don't follow the Lord, you can read about their practices. Go look at verse, uh, go down to verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you. Yeah? Like, for the most part, those are practices that the, that the world normally practices. They behave in, in those ways. But, but Paul is saying, don't go back to that former way. The way that we left, the way that we were pre-summer, don't go back to those practices. The way that we lived when we were in school last year, don't go back. Why? Because you're not the same person. God came and he has visited us this summer and he came and made himself known to us. And I want to encourage you, don't go back to the same way. God delivered uh, the nation of Israel from Egypt and is about to teach them how to be his people. And the first of the Ten Commandments he's going to say is, hey, you shall have no other gods before me. In Egypt, they worship multiple gods. I'm going to be your only God. And what we want to do this year is, is tell that to God and make that commitment that, God, I'm going to have no other gods before you. Like, I'm not going to live for anyone else than you. Not live for anything else than you. I don't want to go back to my former way of living because that's shackles and that's slavery and that's sin and that sucks. Amen? It's shameful. It's like there's no life there. For us to be a different type of generation, for us to do something different this year, you have to do things different. It's insanity for us to think that if you do things the same way, you're going to get a different outcome. Sanity means if I want a different outcome, I have to do things differently. So I want to, I did this Friday with uh, some of our junior high crew. Um, 
I think there's three areas that we can uh, really make a stand and, and let this be our altar that we lift up to God and say, God, we want to give you these things. That he would burn a fire. So awesome. I, just in the song that we sang, you know, that last one, set a fire and in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't, awesome. Before, there used to be an altar, right, that they would put sacrifices on and God would send fire from heaven and, and consume it. I mean, so, man, so rather than a fire on an altar outside of us, we just were singing God, set a fire where? In our hearts. I want to write some stuff down here and, and, and brainstorm with you guys for a little bit and let this be an altar in our hearts that we can offer to God that he would set a fire on these things and consume them and let them be to his glory and his honor.